Thank you all for listening to One Mic Stand. Do follow us on our Facebook and Instagram page. That is O-N-E underscore M-I-C-S-T-A-N-D. Also, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with the same name. And last but not least, to all our groupies, we could not have done it without your support and feedbacks. Fuck yeah. Talib, again, every time I have to mention your name and we start. Yep, it's like a mantra. It's a blessing. Okay, Let's go. We have a surprise um, guest today. Yep. He just decided to come by and drop by our podcast office. Yeah. Do we even call this an office? It's a shed. I've always called it a shed. <laughs> it's a freaking shed, man. Not a sty, eh? No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> At least a stable, eh? So anyways, yeah, Truff, intro, man. Come on. You know, my heartbeat is pumping out you know, because he's in Pulsating, front of me yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we have today, not Jose Moreno, but we have Jose Raymond. Jose. <laughs> Jose. <laughs> Jose, how are you, man? I'm very good, thank you. And uh, thanks for having me on the mic. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in this little program called uh, One Mic Stand. Thanks for coming. I... Not One Mic Stand. A lot of people, you know, no, but it's fine. You know, I, I think it's good to have a One Mic Stand as well. But you know, especially <laughs> you are in the right place, right? Golden Mile Complex. Oh man, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Uh, only thing is a bit too early for that. No? True. Standing in the morning, man. You can always okay. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? How are you, man? But I did see some really interesting people walking around just now. Not and us, I was huh? thinking, no, no, and I was okay. thinking, okay, a bit too early for this, but you know, Camel Those are the and hangover and guys. No, Camel Toe, so like, you know. What? Yeah, so. <laughs> Damn. I was like thinking, what the hell? It's like 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> like, yeah, who knows? It's been a huh? rough night. What goes on the night before. I know. Anyway, yeah. have you had your breakfast? Not Jose? the place to come in. Oh, um, no, actually, I, I, I don't eat breakfast. I okay. survive on coffee uh, mm-hmm. in the mornings, um, and I do that because I want to. Uh, keep myself light all the way till lunch. You survive on the energy of the people, man. I survive Being on part of a political party from SPP, like just like the Hulkamaniacs, you know. Don't <laughs> <laughs> tell me, brother. <laughs> yeah, I see how this is going to go. Okay, right, fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, why you are here today is because uh, you made an announcement several days back that you were leaving the party. But we're going to talk about that a bit later and we, uh, we're going to talk about how you started out, man. So, What makes you want to go into politics in the first place? Uh, I'm, I think I'm one of those whom you can consider an accidental politician. I have always thought that I would enjoy my work behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I'm a bit of uh, someone who likes to get things done. So in all the roles which I've taken up, um, I mean, after I left journalism in 2011, uh, 2007, um, when I joined the civil service, uh, the public service, I, I was always put in roles in which I am an organizer, I am uh, a fixer, I fix problems, or, um, you know, we, we, we were part of the organizing team for the Asian Youth Games. I was part of the, you know, I, I was um, Teo Salak's press secretary for the Youth Olympic Games. Um, so I've always felt, I always thought that I would be effective behind the scenes. Um, but sometimes circumstances lead us down a path uh, in which we are forced to take up certain responsibilities. And for me, that came in 2017 when I was asked to join the Singapore People's Party to, yeah. to consider, uh, I mean, as a member, and um, which is what I did. So... I, I I did it because uh, why of Singapore People's Party is because you know I my family had a history um, with the Chams uh, in 1984. My father brought me to the counting center uh, on the day Mr. Cham Sitong won the election. So I was there witnessing what happened uh, that that morning uh, that that evening. That, uh, that is a pretty historic day. Yeah. Yeah. 22nd December uh, 1984. It was my it was my birthday. Yeah. How was the euphoria back then? It was it was it was magnetic. Um, it was electrifying. Um, you know that whole area for at that point um, the waiting area in uh, was it West? It was Westlake Secondary School. It was filled up with people, uh, Porto Pasir residents, <clears throat> and I mean maybe even fans from other parts. And um, myself, my father, my brother, we were actually right at the front where the barricades were, and you know the the, the cheers, the, the the it was deafening, right. 
So it's something which I'll never forget the rest of my life. How old were you back then? I was. I turned thirteen that day. It was my birthday. Yeah, yeah. So, um, something which I'll never forget the rest of my life. But you know, that's something which which, um, you know, you you have your taste of politics at a very young age. But even then, um, it was it was funny because at 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 that point, my father actually told me someday I want to see either you or your brother in politics, right? You yeah. know, I was like, okay, well, I was only thirteen, <laughs> right? So. But anyway, that's that. And um, a couple of years down the line, um, my family, we had a bit of financial issues. My father couldn't pay for the house and uh, we needed to move out. And actually, it was Mr. Chiam who helped us pay for the deposit with HDB. So, but I never actually saw the Chiams for more than 20 over years until uh, through a third party, they reached out to me in 2016 to talk about getting the Chiam Sitong Sports Fund um, started, you know, and, and... so I actually met them again in August 2016 and we got the fund started for them. Um, you know, I managed to bring people like Ang Ping Siong, UK Shami, we <clears throat> into the board to help us get the fund started yes. to help athletes who are in need, non-political, a charity, uh, to help athletes who are in need. So, yeah, so that was my journey into, um, this, this, whole, into this whole realm. And one year after we set up, I mean, about a couple of months after we set up the Champstong Sports One, um, Mrs. Lena Cham actually asked me to consider helping the party. And I, and I said, I'll think about it because um, at that time I was actually heading back to school to complete my master's in um, public policy, public administration at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy. Did they, did they go about and say, uh, hey, uh, Jose, remember, uh, Jose, remember the uh, the cash that we gave you? Help you out your studies. We want it back. <laughs> it's time to return the favor, man. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't like that at all. But you know, th- there is a sense where you know you gotta pay it forward. So I decided that you know if I was gonna do this, I gotta do it my way. Yeah. And you had a pretty stellar career eh, as uh, as what you mentioned in a uh, political office before, and uh, before that a journalist. So uh, what are the circumstances that actually uh, made you wanna pay it forward? I strongly <laughs> believed in. A politics which is not a, a kind of politics which is not so um, boisterous or not so combative. I, I, I've always felt that you can be a politician and be effective yeah. by putting forward what you can do for people yeah. and leave people to decide and make that choice, right? And you do not need to become an enemy of the state by okay. being involved yeah. in politics, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I strongly believe in. You know, and which is why. Um, not many may agree with the approach I take because they sometimes think that you know it's better to be combative and fight and you know show that we are aggressive. But I mean, ultimately, we must, as as politicians wanting to win people's vote, we must be very very um, clear about our approach and who we're reaching out to. You know, ultimately, it's also the psychology of the voter and what do they want to see in their representative in parliament. So. The approach has to be to reach out to the middle ground as much as possible. And the middle ground are the ones who are going to be very careful with their vote, yeah. right? Because they are the ones who are going to swing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so my approach was such that I wanted to prove that I could be as effective in helping people and perhaps maybe do a little bit more because I understand how the system works and I've got people who can help and I've got a strong network of professionals who will be able to help you no matter what. Right, so that's that's essentially how I took to taking part, and I wanted to see whether it works. And I think ultimately, it's good that people remember me as being someone who was gentlemanly in the way I ran my campaign, and I could walk away from it, you know, without I could walk away from it and with academics saying that history will judge me kindly because of the work which I did, which is good. You know, usually um, opposition parties or members of those who are in the opposition party are very, like what you mentioned, um, combative, boisterous, but you are like one that is in the gentleman's club, prim and proper, you know? Yeah. And they, they actually got the swingers uh, yes. around. I don't mean it in such a way, but <laughs> okay. they swung. Different kind of Especially swingers. Especially the yeah. previous G uh, general elections, whereas the the percentage actually swung more towards the opposition and 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 you actually had that swing in your favor from thirty two percent to forty percent. Why so? 
I, I think it was a bit of hard work. It was a combination of a lot of factors. Okay, One of it was obviously I spent um, about four years on the ground leading up to the elections. Um, I had proven myself um, to some of the residents. I proven myself in the sense that I was helping people. I was actually advocating on their behalf. I mean, I had some really... I mean, just two, I'll just share with you two cases, yeah. right? Where there was one, this lady, 60-year-old auntie, um, not married, single. She lives... She, she Her only children are her dogs. She's got about a couple of dogs. And then during the estate upgrading, I think the dogs were making a lot of noise. And one of the neighbours complained. And then, um, then she received a notification that she needed to... She can only have one dog at home. So she had to give away two dogs or house two other dogs elsewhere. She's such a retiree. She doesn't work. Yeah. Right? And... And I think on the eve, I think it was January twenty, January twenty fifteen of twenty nineteen, where the deadline was for her to remove the two dogs from her home. Mm-hmm. She didn't know what to do, right? Because these are like her children, and then she couldn't afford to house them in the pet motel. She lives alone. Yeah, in the dogs couldn't house them in the pet motel because it's thousand bucks a month, mm-hmm. right? She couldn't send it to her friends because she had nowhere to send them to. Mm-hmm. She called me and said, "I need your help." I said, okay, sure, you know, then she went, I took, what was the problem, what was the issue? I said, okay, fine. I said, you pack your dog stuff up, okay, just make sure you, whatever they need, you just pack it, I'll come over. The dogs ended up in my house. What? The dogs ended up in my house. Uh, I heard you the first time around, it's just a dog. (laughs) So the dogs, and are they still there? No, no, after some time when things got ironed out, you know, then the dogs went back about six months later. So the dogs ended up in my house. Okay. That's just one case where, you know, I take a personal... And and do you pay for the... the, the you buy the food for yeah, the yeah, dog and things all yeah, out yeah, of yeah, your yeah, own yeah, pocket? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. That's nice. So, so yeah. then, then, that's just one case, right? So I take a personal approach towards how to solve problems for residents. Next, there's just one other case where there was an accident in the neighbourhood during the estate upgrading. The contractor did not cover up the place well enough. Then there was an elderly gentleman, 70-year-old elderly gentleman, walked straight into a manhole um, oh, man. early in the morning, uh, paralyzed from the neck down because of the impact of what happened, paralyzed from the neck down, and um, the family reached out for help and nobody helped. The family reached out to the town council. The town council said, this is between you and, your, this is between you and the contractors. They were stuck. They but it's not the contractor me. under part of the town council. No. They are the one that engaged them, right? Correct, but it's a contractor. So basically, it's a contractor who did the mistake. Okay. Or if there's any issues, I mean, the, the legal suit would be between... I mean, the, 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 they would be the ones responsible. So um, the family didn't know what to, how to approach it. Did not, they tried to seek help, didn't get help. Reached out to me. I got my lawyers involved. So my lawyers went and filed the suit. Yeah. and pro bono basis my lawyers went and filed the suit the case is coming up now uh, in the I mean it's been now one year plus uh, of ding-donging between the contractors and all but now it's going to be settled in the high court so but there's a they've already put up um, the contractor already put up a settlement fee yeah that's right, right at the end of the tunnel, huh? yeah so which means it's just a matter now of settling what happened to that man she passed on Oh man! After, to hear that. after eight yeah. months or nine months of struggling, how old was you? Seventy plus. Yeah. 70. So, but you see, do I need to do this? Do I need to be like? And anyway, these are just two. You know, there's so many other incidents of how I've provided help for residents, including you know getting them support when they couldn't get their homes. You know, with single mothers. You know, I mean, appeal to the minister and all that. So, but. This is one of the reasons why I always believe that you can be involved in politics and not be an asshole. Okay. You I, I was just going to say something stupid, but then I was just You're trying to contain... You're always something stupid. Yeah, no, I, you, can, you can do it. You can I'm do trying it. to contain myself. It's okay. I want to hear it. Have you walked into a manhole? Uh, have you seen someone walk into a manhole at Godamal? <laughs> a man walking through another man's hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm trying to continue. Does myself, it happen right? I here help all it. the time? Does it happen here all the time? <laughs> Please don't get in trouble with the, you know, whatever movement that is out there. <laughs> no, but we are at the right place, right? <laughs> I'm not discriminating, but... I mean, can I see this now, um, Raymond? Since, you know... Jose, you are, Jose. Okay, Jose. The only, person, the only people who call me Raymond are my schoolmates from uh, 30 years ago. 
Yeah, I just want to be close to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason why they call me Raymond is because they don't know how to pronounce J-O-S-E. That's the thing. I get confused. Right? <laughs> Jose Mourinho and Jose Raymond. No, then because they used to call me Tose. Eh? What the fuck? Jose, Tose, uh, Joes, Jaws, uh, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Let's just keep it to Jose then. I mean, since you, I mean, you, uh, despite, you know, you're busy with your political stuff back then, you know, you help the residents, you know. I just want to ask you this, you know, our lease is expiring in February. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be a serious question, man. Do you have a place for us at your home? <laughs> <laughs> your, your, it's really ending in yeah, February. Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, we're moving, man. We need to move. Where are you moving to? Your house. <laughs> <laughs> just like the dogs. <laughs> you can move to my office. You can set up my office if you want to. There's a space for you all in the office. But this is a serious question. Eh? Coming up now. Okay. Um, you contested in 2020. That was your first elections, right? First and last. Yeah, that's the thing. And you actually uh, joined the party about three years or four years prior. 2017. And they have that much confidence. I'm sure there are others in the party besides Chiam Si Tong and Lina Chiam. And they put you in the forefront. They must have had uh, immense confidence in you. Uh, and, and, and what leads up to that? What do you think makes them believe in Yeah, you? that's what I meant. I don't think they. I don't think they're anyone else though. Oh really? Yeah. Volunteers, some other potentials. I don't think they're anyone. As capable. With the same caliber. Mm. I mean that's unfortunately the fact. It's a fact. It's a painful fact. But it's true. So you can actually <sighs> look back and take a look at the the line that the 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 list of people in the, what we call the Central Executive Committee. And you can. Deduce you can you can deduce you can draw your own conclusions, um, and you'll see that you know there probably isn't anyone else. Mm. But this that's that's why um, there's some calls out there for some of the smaller parties to perhaps consolidate or fold, right? And there's there's no there's no there is some truth to that though, yeah. right? Because you see if you look at the spectrum the political spectrum <clears throat> if you are there there'll be far left far right. Center, yeah. right? Um, today, I think all, sorry, most if not all yeah. of the parties are all playing in the same space, which yeah. is slightly left of center. Maybe even the PAP, maybe the PAP is still slightly in the center, right? So maybe still center. Um, but you see, even they are moving slightly left of center with a lot more social welfare, a lot more trickle sure. down, yeah. right? Everyone else is playing in the same space. Yeah. So no one's even, doing a Trump. Uh, nobody <laughs> is going far right. Yeah. Nobody's even going right of center, right? You know, nobody yeah. is moving towards it because you can also paint a scenario, paint a narrative that a far right, uh, you know, wealthy country will have a lot more impact for people too, right? Mm-hmm. You can also paint that scenario. But everyone, all political parties are all playing in the same space. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you differentiate yourself, especially if you don't have a strong branding, you don't have good people, and you don't have enough volunteers to motivate or to, to, to get your ground going? Because it's a lot of hard work. I mean, elections cannot be won overnight. Yeah. It is years and years and years of investment. Take a look at Workers' Party. Yeah. Take a look at the amount of work they've put in. I mean, even they... You know, half a century, I mean, how many years, or half a century, 80 years, whatever the history is. It's taken them so long to get to where they are today, yeah. right? And even they have gone through ups and downs, right? Entry from JBJ in 81, right? After that, they went through, you know, a cycle where you know, they, they, they lost their seats. And then back up again through Laos, in 1991. Sure. You know, and then from there, they built. And it takes years to build. And you've got to right, have the right people in place. And you've got the right strategy in place. And the right branding and the right approach. They've got a pretty solid squad, huh? Right. They are like, yes, like the new favorite kid in town now, I guess. Mm. The Workers' Party. They they are they have they have really up the ante, yeah. and sh- they are in a league of their own, right? Today, nobody can ever get close to Workers' Party and talk about coalition or whatever because. Yeah, why why would also, why yeah. would they? Yeah. Why should they, right? Yeah. 
Why should they? They're in a league of their own. Right? So until the day comes when any other political party, uh, uh, any other alternative party has got the same number of seats as they do, and then maybe, you know, they'll probably come to the table. But today, I don't think it's necessary for them to do so because they are the viable alternative. Why are there so many opposition parties in Singapore? Honestly, your opinion. I think there are just too many egos, I guess. Oh, man. Really? You know, back to Talib's question about why SPP put you um, on the forefront, on the pedestal to, to, to lead the party. Is it because um, the Workers' Party are the more popular party now and, I don't know, maybe more candidates are trying to get in there than in other parties like, let's say, SPP? No, I don't think I don't think there was even on the... I don't think there was even a... a that was a reason, though. I think... I, I, it was my decision. It was my decision to join SPP based on the history which I had with them. Um, if there was any other political party which asked me to come and join them, I would have said no anyway. Oh, okay. I would have said no anyway. Right? That makes it clear now. All right? So in fact, after I joined the SPP in 2017, I did have an approach in 2018 by somebody from the PSP. And this was prior to them starting. So they actually asked me to join them and to move over, to hop over because they were planning to, you know, start this PSP mega party and, 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 and you know, have a very strong uh, slate of candidates. In fact, their approach to me was, we see you as a potential minister for sports. Oh. So I was like, no, actually, and anyway, I, I said, no, I'm not keen. Mm. And if I was going to do this, I was only going to do this with SPP because of my history with them. And... Um, I'm not keen now. Yeah, so I wouldn't do. The, I wouldn't have done this for any other political party anyway. It is a way for me to have paid forward, right? That's it, and I've done my part. But do you think if by joining PSP, your ratings would be even higher because of the people involved in there? I think. I think um, not necessarily so. Okay. I mean, there are a couple of PSP candidates who got lower vote count than me uh, in SMCs. That is. And it also shows that it's not just about it's not just down to the party branding. Uh, I mean, for PSP, it was also a new party, so maybe um, it's not just down to who they had. I think there are other dynamics at play. Um, but I I think it would be safe to say that my vote count would have been slightly higher if I had been in a bigger party. I think it would have been slightly higher. I, I guess you can you can deduce that based on the results and all that because in terms of party branding, it does matter in elections. Party branding does matter. Um, and in today's context, the three alternative parties which have got strong branding, stronger branding, are Workers' Party, SDP, PSP. One mic stand. Stand. Thank you all for listening to One Mic Stand. Do follow us on our Facebook and Instagram page. That is O-N-E underscore M-I-C-S-T-A-N-D. Also, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts with the same name. And last but not least, to all our groupies, we could not have done it without your support and feedbacks. Fuck yeah. Do you think that people view the opposition parties, I mean, there's a few opposition parties in Singapore. There are quite many, quite a few. Yeah, not, I, not I lost count. Yeah. <laughs> More than 10, I think it's 12 or 13, if I'm not wrong. Do you think the people view them as enemy of the state just because they're not the ruling party? No, I... Just I, because I, they're opposition? No, I don't think people view them as enemies of the state. I think people view them with suspicion and they view them as, you know, um, most parties do not have the, the caliber to be able to function, uh, to function well enough. I mean... Today, if I'm going to be voting, if I was a man in the street, if I was just a common person, common man, like everyone else, I'm going to look at the two or three candidates on the voting card. And I'm going to size each and every one of them up. Yeah. I'm going to ask myself, which party does this person belong to? What kind of resources does this person have? Does he have a mechanism to help me? Does he, will, he, will he be able to get and come and you know, get my bulb repaired? Uh, along my corridor if it if it blows? Yeah. Are they going to be able to support me if I lose my job? Right? All these questions will be, un, will, will, will be, will be cro- will cross my mind. Right? 
So you can have then you can have the major party, the party in government, right? And then you know that okay, they've got the mechanism for this. They got social welfare. They got if I need help, they got vouchers for me. You know, they give me goodie bags. And then you look at your your alternative guy on you know. Then you'll be asking yourself, okay, actually this guy, what's he done for me? Yeah? Mm, nothing. Okay, I vote yes. Especially during COVID, huh? Yeah. Mm. Right. And and to add on, actually, you run a pretty good campaign during COVID. In times as such, you you actually up uh, eight points from thirty two to forty. And I saw your political ads, which how you grew up and, and things like that, and your affiliations with the parties. And you actually played the good guy role. You didn't actually went forcefully and condemn the other side or whatever. I think that's a pretty noble campaign you ran. Uh. I, I, I set that as my agenda to participate, that yeah. I must not lose my friends. I mean, when you get involved in politics, you will do. You will end up losing some friends. So I wanted to make sure that I do not lose as many friends as I wanted to keep. And I'm actually very thankful that I still have got friends in government, and I still have got friends whom I reach out to, not to help me, but to help residents who need help. And 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 I'm quite thankful that they still support and help. You know, and and I think, like I said, at the end of it. After elections are all done, we still need to be friends or fellow Singaporeans, and we still got to help each other out when we need help, right? And to me, that is the approach. And I don't see any, I don't see any reason for us to become. Um, I don't see for us to become um, enemies, yeah. just because we are political rivals. And that was my approach, right? And and like I said, I mean. It's, I've been uh, now been labelled as the good guy of politics, but unfortunately, I don't want to be. I don't want to be involved in politics anymore. The gentleman of politics. <laughs> That's the thing. The other day, just a few days back, we're gonna get to this. Like now, uh, you left the Singapore People's Party just a few days ago, and that's why you're here. Why? Are you a quitter? Please don't tell me that. Man. Come on. No, 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 no. I, I, I. Yes, I'm a quitter because I've quit the. Po- I've quit the political. I've quit the political party. Uh, I'm gonna say this, you know, and because this is a question which I'm always asked. Uh, am I joining another party? The answer is no. Uh, I'm not joining another party. I don't intend to do so. When I say I'm exiting, means I'm exiting. Um, I felt that you do not need to do good uh, by being involved in a political party. You can actually do good for society outside of it, and there are many ways in which we can give back and pay it forward, and that also means like you know taking up social causes, helping NGOs, helping them raise money, you know providing support to under-resourced um, people, you know in in by opening doors for them, you know that is also ways of paying it forward, right? And that's my approach. Do you think um, some people will say like um, you're like a one-hit wonder, you know, when you can't make it, you quit? Just tell them that, you know, set the record straight that. That's not it. It is, it is, it is actually okay being a one-hit wonder. Okay. Right. How many songs in the past, you know, you remember because they were one-hit wonders. I think that's right? true. Eh? Enigma. Uh, Enigma is one. You know, you also had the Mili Vanilli. You also had. <laughs> Mili Vanilli had a pretty good album. Huh? Oh, it was it a good yeah, album? Okay, yeah, okay. It was a good so, album. Man. But yeah, it was a one, one-hit one, one album yeah, wonder, yeah. right? Well, you know, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Then Mid you. Vanilla Eyes. Yes. So <laughs> you, Gemma, do, you see, you go on and on. Thirty huh? over years, and we still remember them. They're one-hit wonders, mm-hmm. right? So it's not a bad thing. Sometimes it's also about realizing where you stand. Yeah. It's about self-realization that you know, this is not me. This I can do, but I do not need. I can help people. Yes, I love helping people, but I can do it outside of this ambit of politics, right? Because politics may not be the place I want to play in or be in. Because I don't, I don't, I don't like, you know, the the mud slinging and the slamming. You know, I I, I can I, I can be involved with that, but you know, I like to do it behind the scenes. But I'm sure you can do more if you were elected. I mean, that's right. Um. Actually, that's, that's that's arguable. You see, if I was elected mm-hmm. as an as an alternative opposition MP, right, mm-hmm. I'll be facing brick. I'll be facing walls every day. That's frustrating, huh? I'll be facing walls yeah. every day because you know what? Every single thing which I raise, even though I'm trying to help people, it'd be seen like as though it's a political battle, and it wouldn't help. What could help now is no, but that could change. That will change now because of the Workers Party. They've got 
the leader of the opposition. Yeah, you know, and right. that means yeah. they have got the latitude to be able to make those changes. And they should. Right? So that's why I'm saying that, you know, I think the people we should be throwing our support to should be that party because they have got what it takes today to probably bring about alternative policy changes. Because they've got they they are in there. And so what even even so even if I believe that you know there are ways in which where we can help tweak policies, we can only we should today work with two parties. Workers' party or the PAP. Yeah, exactly. But man. do you think with your experience and your um backups that you have, your support that you have, if um one might stand with to start a, our own party, do you think we can make it? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh shit! Okay, you don't have to answer that. Uh, <laughs> your your laughter I, says it all. <laughs> Remember, no, Lee? no, I'll be no. I, I, I've got an answer for you. Okay. okay, I've got an answer for you. Please do not set up another new political party in Singapore. Yeah, we have enough. I, I would have joined the PAP, man, straight in, off. In recent, I just want to. There, there was a recent. <laughs> there was a recent party called SUP. 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 Huh? Really? There's a new party, SUP. Singapore. SUP. Uh, Singapore. SUP what? Singapore United. Singapore United Party. SUP. SUP. There's a recent party which just set up. <laughs> yeah. So these guys, some of them actually left Reform Party and they set up SUP, SUP. So oh. there are enough political parties in Singapore, right? If you tell me today, you know, where would, if one Mike Stan is going to start a political party, I will tell you, don't do it. <laughs> With your skill sets, you can actually be helping the guys who are already in there. I just want to jump into the big time. Uh. I'm joining the PAP, man. You just want the money, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, why? I mean... These people that form new parties know, know that there's a lot of parties out there and it's going to take them, it's going to be very hard for them to win. But still, they open up a new party. Why? Because democracy is always messy. Oh, man, that's a good answer, man. Because democracy is meant to be messy. Because among the noise and the mess, you choose your greatest leaders. What if I choose to set up a socialist party? But you already got parties who are already playing in a socialist space, what? No, like pure socialist party. <laughs> like Fidel Castro kind of socialist. <laughs> I, think, I think ultimately people are also... Well, are, these, are these new parties moles? Oh man, don't get... Don't, <laughs> don't go no, there. I, I, I wouldn't think that they are moles or whatever, but I just think that maybe they have got their own ideals. Yeah. But like I said, democracy is always meant to be messy. Take a look at Malaysia. Malaysia is a study in itself, right? <laughs> you can be elected in by the people, but then within one year, mm. you can have the entire government which was elected by the people disintegrate. Yeah, I kind of expected this government not to last for two years. But you see, the problem for that, the problem with that is they don't have enough laws in place to prevent the defections. Singapore has got those laws. So today, if a PAP MP is voting as a PAP MP, he or she cannot switch over during the course of that term. It's in law. If you want to switch over, you've got to resign from your, from, your, from your seat. So you see, we've got all those safeguards in place. Malaysia doesn't have that yet. Yeah, they they need yeah. to. Because it, you see, take a look at where they are today. One year on after COVID, they're still struggling. True. Right? But I think you have to credit the people for daring to make a change. No, but you see, Malaysia was in a very different place than Singapore, right? Malaysia, you had issues of corruption, you had issues of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, people at the top, you know, enriching themselves. You had got, you had people disappearing, you know, being blown up to bits, <laughs> right? You, you, you had, you had, you know, um, Jennifer Lopez, Jolo, Jolo. I mean, sorry, not Jennifer Lopez. You had Jolo, 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 Jolo. You know. That, that, it was a very different... Malaysia is a very different place, right? Um, you know, at that time when they went into elections, they were in a very different place. Um, but that's true. La. I mean, Singapore is very clean and corruption-free. No, 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 no. Free. No. Uh, oh. no, 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 no. It's not corruption-free. There is corruption. Uh, but I'm not saying anything. Yeah, that's the, not me. The, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. The statistics show that there is corruption. Okay. I'm not saying who are. Okay, yeah, there true. is corruption in Singapore. I mean, there is corruption. There yeah, is I mean, crime in, the, in the tabloids you know, and everything. Yeah, that's true. Low right. crime does not mean low crime, no crime, right? So That's the police slogan, right? Yes, it is. If you do the crime, you got to do the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's Big Boss Man's slogan. <laughs> so, but, um, remember Lee Lillian? Mm. 
she um she won a campaign. She 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 did pretty well in a uh, uh, Sengkang. Was it Sengkang East or something? Pungolis, like Pungolis, yeah, Pungolis. Um, and then after a campaign, she lost the next GE, and then after that, she uh, resigned. So I think uh, she's doing volunteering now or something, yeah. right? Yeah, she's yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. back. Yeah. So the thing is, uh, what we spoke about just now, and and are you, do you have plans to come back? Because she received quite a bit of a flag, and eventually, are you gonna look into this as? Uh, maybe I'll come back or are you done for good? There's no maybe for me. You're done, huh? I am done with You're just trying to political give uh, hope here. No, 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 no. I'm done with my political work. I mean, I'm done with my political, um, being at the forefront of politics. I'm done with that. You know, yeah. so when I say okay. I'm exiting, it really means it's good that for good, huh? You're retiring. I'm exiting, yeah. Now, that's actually good because when I look at you across, you look natural sitting there. You could, be the next, you could be the next uh, co-host, man. So one mic stand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that I can do for y'all. No problem. I can, I, I've got journalism interview skills, so I can actually get people to open up and talk. Yeah, that's not a problem. How do you see Singapore in the future, going, moving forward now? I think we are going to be... We will constantly be facing battles because we're a small country. We rely on externalities. Ah, we've heard that a million yeah, times. So Tell me will, something else. We will always, <laughs> unless we completely change the model in which we function, unless we're able to grow our own vegetables and have our own farms. <laughs> right? Ivy Singh can help. We are, <laughs> we are constantly going to have to rely on others. right? And that means how we act globally, how we act with other countries around the world will determine our future. right? That also means that you know our current policy of being a friend to many you know, probably needs to continue because if we become enemy to some or a few then <clears throat> you know we, we, we tend we would stand to lose a lot of the goodwill we've actually created over time you can take a look even at ASEAN today mm-hmm. right ASEAN used to be a block which was always uh, cooperative it was always you know um, leaning on each other but today today you won't see that because you've got um, external parties, countries who are already providing Influences. support yeah. to some of the countries and you can see that their decision making or their you know would be leaning towards the support which they require which they which they get. So you see we, we are we are obviously you know we're always hearing that you know we're in a rough neighborhood. But the fact is we are. Yeah. Right? We are. Right? Um, but we can be exceptional. We can be exceptional. How can we be exceptional? We need people to be exceptional. We need our people to realize that okay, look, we need to bring about the change we want to see in this country, right? They are the ones who need to make that decision and be that change. They are the ones who need to realize, okay, we cannot be working for others all our life. Let's create this, let's create, we need to create a country in which we're able to rely on ourselves, you know, and that means systems, policies in place which helps ourselves, you know, helping entrepreneurs, helping people develop, you know, helping develop develop in multiple um, pathways. It cannot be like, you know, we are still sticking to the same pathways. It cannot be like our athletes still struggle today. It cannot be like people who work as cleaners cannot lead a normal life. It cannot be. But it seems that is what it is, you know. They are still struggling. Which is why we need to have the gumption, we need to have the guts to be able to stand up. We need to have foreign talents to boost (laughs) our... how do I say this? Uh? We, we, to motivate we, us to work harder, man. We need to have, we need to have the investments coming in. We really need that because we don't have enough entrepreneurs here who are the Jack Ma's of the world or the Elon Musk's. We yeah. don't have that, right? That means there is something here which needs to shift. We need to make it more palatable for people to become entrepreneurs, you know, become leaders of the world and it starts right here. But you see, that requires us to view things differently. We need to give opportunities. We need to not, you know, clamp down on ideas all the time. Speaking of which, that is something that you dwell in. Uh, entrepreneurship, startups, and things like that. Mm-hmm. What is your plan into this then? Oh, um, I started the company five years ago. Uh, we are a strategy firm, so we provide tech startups, companies with a lot of solutions. What's so the name of your firm? SW Strategies. All right. So, uh, we set up the office in Malaysia uh, in 2019. And this year we will be op- we are we are already in the midst of looking at opening the Jakarta chapter. So, um, basically, why uh, why are we why why am I looking at this place? Why this space? Um, it's because a lot of times you have got 
such agencies, strategy firms who come in from the US, the UK, into this part of the world and you know they, they try to be seen as experts. But we've also realized that a lot of them do not understand this area. Culture, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and the politics of this, this this region. But so that's where I felt that there's a gap where you know you this is the region which is burgeoning, which is this is the region which is um, growing, right? And you need people around here who understand the culture, the people, the language of this area. And and I've actually done the research, um, which is why you know the company now is already, in Singapore is already five years old in September this year. And we set up in Malaysia because I have got business interests in Malaysia and I know people in politics in Malaysia and we got hooked, we got, we, we got connected and we did, I mean, I started in Malaysia and now I was approached to set up the Jakarta office. So now we're looking at all the registration work and everything. So to me, I think, it's that a complicated my... country to, to, to deal in, uh, no, Indonesia. No, no, I mean, it is, it is, we cannot expect that all countries in this region are, yeah. are similar in terms of growth, but I think Indonesia is a very interesting market because of the sheer size and, and you know, and, and I think it is the country which is going to be one of those which has got a huge middle income True. and growing. Yeah. And that means, you know, they are going to need a lot more support and you want to be there when, you know, in time to ride the wave. ASEAN is not EU. I don't know if we can be of an EU standard kind of uh, a region, but are you going to be the guy to like hook up these ASEAN countries into one uh, and Singapore as a regional hub? No, I don't have that political clout um, to do such a thing, but I also think it will not happen anytime soon because of the difference in which our progress have been. I mean, Singapore is the wealthiest in this area. And, you know, I don't think there's going to be even like a um, single currency for this region because, you know, yeah. we're not, we're all at different yeah, stages we, uh, of development. Yeah, yeah. Right? We're all at different stages of development. But what I do see, and I think it's already happening, um, the discussions about um, open borders for trade. Yeah. That actually would help because, you know, you open up um, markets, you open up your market, you open up your borders to for trade, free trade. And what that does is actually helps to um, help increase the standard of living you know so that that little family-run business in cambodia uh you know if he or if that family has got access to a singapore market that means they know they're going to be able to sell and trade and we should help raise their standard of living in cambodia that's ideal because we as a wealthy country help the mom and pop shop in cambodia because they're doing some trade which we like likewise in malaysia or likewise in laos you know so that's how open door borders can help you know, so which is why when, when, when we see detractors about open trade saying that, you know, it's going to destroy livelihoods. But if you believe in this ideal world where everybody gets an opportunity. Well, I was just going to get to that. Yeah, man. I just want to just get to that. I mean, there's people that will say that, you know, why don't you help your own countrymen first? Why don't you help the people here first? You see, helping, helping open borders and open trade will help societies. Because it also brings down the cost of living in some ways. Because you have you got access to cheaper, you know, more economical um, um, goods. It helps. Uh, Not many people see it that way, but it does. Trump didn't actually uh, see it that way, and he he actually won the elections by going totally against that direction in in, in the last election in America. But and uh, no. I, I'm not saying that I am a fan or whatever, but yeah. I'm just giving you the other side, yeah. no. the, the other view. Yes. Uh, goods coming in from China and goods mm. coming in from mm. Mexico mm. into America and then paying less attacks and things like that. And um, companies, uh, business owners in America actually suffered. But us, we don't produce our own goods. Right. So that's, that could be a, a plus point for us. Right. You see... Well, talk about Trump. He's not in office anymore. True, yeah. I'm but, going to get to the inauguration yeah, he's thing. Not, he's he's, he's yeah. not. So, I think what they... You see, your, your, your domestic market will, will never be enough to consume the amount you produce, yeah. right? Um, and ultimately, if they don't, they, if they don't have external trade, yeah. their own people are going to lose out. Right? They're going to lose out. But you, you may be able to... Um, maintain prices of your goods, but who are you selling to? Yeah. Who are you going to be selling to? Exactly. Right? And, and it's already happening through e-commerce. Yeah. Look at the enormous 
amount of goods that's coming into Singapore, either transshipment or into the local market through e-commerce. It's a bunch of a lot of things, man. So, you know, the way to go, the way forward would actually be open trade, open borders for trade, right? And that's how you really want to have an ideal world is open borders because you help everyone because everyone has an opportunity. Tell that to our neighbors, man. These people <laughs> make it hard for us with their enormous amount of tax that we, you have to pay when you bring into their countries. We are very uh, kind people with 7% GST. Going to nine, that's fine, but still, that's a good. I'm serious. Why are you guys laughing? No, it's it's. You, you talk about Indonesia, for example. There's like twenty to forty percent tax, you know, because they want to promote local produce, in which they can never do that at the moment, at least, because uh, China is way ahead of them, and the European goods or the uh, Australian goods or the Americans way much better in quality, and. If only the we're not talking about the faraway countries. If only Malaysia and Indonesia could lax their imports from Singapore when it comes to duty and tax, we could actually do quite a bit, man. And this is a transshipment hub. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a gateway to these countries because they are unfortunately not as efficient as us. Yeah, that's one of our values in this region. Yeah, we are robots, man. In other words. <laughs> Effective ones. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about what you think about this uh, Biden. We have to talk about it right? because you are a politician yourself before and Biden's in office. So what, how do you see the world changing now? I think it'll be a far more... Um, far Conclusive. more equal, inclusive. Yeah. Far more uh, peaceful four years where there's going to be a reparation of relationships and um, hopefully hopefully I, I actually do hope that the relationship between America between the US and China is, is repaired um, because I think if the, these two superpowers these two superpowers um, have a better relationship and Russia it actually benefits all of us yeah you know because with the trade war all of us suffer yeah. in fact the economy is already tanking because of the trade war, you saw that there were slowdowns, you know, because so I think it's better. It'd be, so I do see that you know, there's going to be reparation of relationships. And, and if, if I'm not sure whether Biden will be able to take a second term because of his age. Yeah. Um, what I'm looking forward to actually would be the world being led by a U.S. president who is probably going to be um, the first ever uh, person of color and it was a woman I think Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris could probably yeah. be the next US president you know, talk, talking about colors and whatnot I think I read an article that um, the UK the British they might um, have an Indian prime minister mm-hmm. really? I forgot what's the guy's mm-hmm. name mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah do you think that could happen to Singapore are we <gasps> ready for that yet <laughs> If our colonial masters, <laughs> ex-colonial masters, yeah. you know, are up to that point soon, do you think we should step up? There's no reason for us to look at each other through the color of our skin. I think if you're good enough, you're capable enough, you should be whoever you want to be. And that means if we think that we, you know, I, no one should ever say that we're not ready for this and we're not ready for that. Yeah. Um, and but the actually, survey states that the, okay, never mind. I I, I, there not, was a survey that I, was I'm done. Even, I said, don't even uh, know who these people who were surveyed. Uh, that we are and not ready for a non-Chinese prime minister. I think we are ready for anything. Okay. Right. I I today, if you tell me that you know we should have Shanmugam as our prime minister, I'll say, hey, all in good, you know. Shanmugam comes with a set of skill sets which you know probably we need and. I mean, that's it. You know, let's not look at people's race and their color and their, you know, let's look at what they can bring to the table. I think that is most important. Yeah. Another important topic that's hot trending now. Are you going to take the vaccination? Of course. If it means I'm going to be able to travel, yes, of course I'm going to take the vaccination. It's okay, you know. I mean, I'll never know. Maybe in ten years, I'll have a third testicle. Hey, all I'll, do, I'll, take, I'll take that risk. You're becoming a mutant, huh? Eh? Yeah, yeah I, had a, I had this swap test two days ago. 
Yeah, what? yeah, you had a swap test. Why? I had, I had a swap test. Why? Before. He's positive, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> why do you have a Why do you have a swap test? Uh, the whole of this uh, workplace of mine, oh. the whole the whole village had to go through a swap test because of one COVID case. I see. Yeah. I see. So no, I work in the airport I've, and uh, everyone right. had to go through a swap I've test. I've not had a swap test at all. It's, uh, no. Your nose is still a virgin, I guess. I, yes. Yeah, I will not let anyone poke anything up my nose. It's an interesting experience, uh, I tell you. Really? Yeah, yeah. Was it itchy? By interesting, I mean that it's awkward. Uh. Was it itchy? Uh, slightly. Was there tears running down your cheeks? No. But it was slightly ticklish too. Ticklish? Yeah, yeah. Do you let yeah. out a giggle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, 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 they poke it right up your nose and then they count to five. And just when you think they're done, right, they'll come backwards. And then again, when you think you're done, they say, no, wait, not yet. The other nose. Why Why do they count to five and then backwards? Why can't they just count, count to, to ten, ten? right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I should have asked that lady. <laughs> wow. No, so uh, I, I, I do hope that, you know, when... when, when Residents are given that opportunity to get vaccinated. I think I hope they do because it helps us with the yeah you know, uh, traveling. And I travel quite a bit for work, so and I herd need immunity that, yeah. as well. So I think it's important that you know we try to get everyone vaccinated. Um, I mean, the science shows that you know the vaccines do work, and you know we got to trust the scientists to believe. I mean, you cannot be like you know we are not. I mean, we cannot trust the non-scientists to think that you know this is not going to work. I mean, the scientists are saying it works. But Ashraf got a whole pile of uh, conspiracy theory to go along with that. Huh? I'm a flat Earth believer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> When you, if your house is on fire, would you go and check YouTube on how to put the house out, how to how to put the fire out? Yeah, of course, Superman. No, right? <laughs> if, no, if you if you, yeah. you you're not right, so yeah. if if you, <laughs> so if. <you laughs> no, I I believe in uh, this vaccination thingy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I think it's important that. I tell we... it to this guy over here. This one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You see, I'm oh, I'm taking the middle ground. You see, okay. I'm not like the right north movement or whatever. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Jose. Yes. Any last words from you? No, I mean, I, I would like to thank the two of you for having me on the show. Do you regret uh, coming on our show? No, not at all. It's been really, yeah. really fun. Tell yes, me the of truth, course. man. No, no, it's been fun. I, I, right. I, 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 I really encourage you know all these podcasts. I think this is the way forward as well. I mean, it's current. People are listening, and you know you got to give people what they want to listen. Um, and I do hope uh, you have a lot more interesting people on on, on board. Uh, and and I do hope that on the uh, the one mic stand will become one of the successful podcasts down the line. You know, anyway, which we can help. Thank you very much. We'll help. Uh, we, we will. We will approach you for your expertise on this. Don't worry. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> anytime, anytime. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it very much, man. You're a fantastic guy to talk to, and all the best for your future endeavors. Thank you. Cheers, man. Thank you.